are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, midway through the week. And yes, it's the offseason for your New Orleans Pelicans, but there's still a whole lot to talk about, and we're going to be doing that here still five days a week, breaking everything down. Today, I want to talk, and we'll probably do a segment on each of these, one of the three main things that David Griffin said he's looking to add to this team next year. Basketball IQ. That's the one I want to focus on today. What is it really, right? Like, how can you add to it? How does that impact the team? Let's break it down in the first segment of today's show. Then I want to look at Stan Van Gundy a little bit, some of his comments and takeaways from his end of season media availability. And then the play-in tournament started with the Eastern Conference last night. It was... I don't know, kind of fun. I really dug it. We'll break it down for you in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Before we get to all that, this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app. Join me today, 6 p.m. Central, to get in on the action. Locker Room changing the way we talk sports. So in his media availability, end of season media availability on Monday, you heard David Griffin talk about the things he wants to add to this team. He wants to add shooting. He wants to add toughness. And he let off saying he wants to add basketball IQ. It's a bit of a nebulous concept. Like, what what, what is that exactly? And that's kind of what I want to look at because it is something that can be very, very impactful and something that the Pelicans very much need to be able to add to this team if they really want to be competitive. This is something they've been missing for a while now. And when you look at a lot of these playoff teams and see some of the things they're able to do and how they adapt, well, that comes down to a lot of the time, one talent, yes, but also basketball IQ. So basketball IQ, while tough to quantify, it's 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 kind of just smart instincts, right? Being able to understand what you need to do at that moment in the game to think a couple of moves in advance or plays in advance or seconds in advance, I guess, and understand what the chain of events is going to happen, how that's going to play out, and then kind of adapt and also know what your strengths are and how you can best leverage those to help you make positive plays. It's it's kind of like awareness, understanding, I think, alongside just s- smarts. I, I don't really know. It's, t- it's tough to quantify, but I think you all get what I'm trying to say. And when you think about the Pelicans, yeah, they don't really have a ton of that on this team. They have guys that know how to kind of do their thing, and that's really it. Some of it is, some of it is those guys are young. And they haven't developed the experience to know, okay, I can't get to the rim tonight. I've got another element of my game. I can rely on that and we can adapt and we can play a different style of basketball if we need to. Some of it, and we'll get into this in the next segment, is on the coaches too. Not really prepping these guys to be able to adapt and kind of just being focused on the way that they're supposed to do things and not adjusting in the moment. But adding basketball IQ would be very big. And when you think about how the Pelicans struggled in close games this year, right? 
They were 2-11 and 11 in games that were decided by three points or less. Having basketball IQ and knowing, okay, what we're doing isn't going to work, isn't working. We need to adapt and do something different, whether that's offensively or defensively. It would be huge. Go back to that Indiana Pacers game, and I want to do a segment at one point, in, you know, maybe this week or next week, on that Indiana Pacers game, where they just fell apart. And how many times did the Pelicans fall apart because what they were doing did not work? They would get away from Zion. They would just rely on trying to score at the rim, and it wasn't happening. They weren't taking threes when they needed to. All of that factors into basketball IQ, knowing what the defense is going to give you and being able to take the best advantage of that. And they just don't really have guys that are capable of doing it. An example is a guy like Chris Paul, right? A guy we would have loved to have seen added here to the Pelicans this offseason. He knows, you know, it's a couple of things, right? He knows what the defense is going to do. He can think a couple of seconds ahead, a couple of moves ahead, and adjust the offense for that. He also just kind of innately knows and understands the game and knows what the opponents are going to do on offense and then adjust to it defensively. You saw it from Rondo too, right? How many times did Rondo just kind of call out what the opponent was doing and make the right adjustment the right read? There's no one on this team that does that. But it's also just making smart plays, right? Making the right thing. Sometimes it's hitting singles instead of going for the big play. Something that Kyra Lewis tried to do, which is, I think, partially why he had a bit of a good rookie season. It's a reason why the Pelicans turn the ball over a lot. Trying to do too much, not doing the just smart, simple thing that they should be doing. They turn the ball over almost 13% of the time on offense, 19th worst in the league. If you break it down in terms of turnovers per game at 14.6, 22nd. You know, this team was at times very close to winning a lot of games. One or two turnovers, a little bit fewer in those games, makes a huge difference and a whole difference in winning or losing. Same thing on the defensive side of the ball. They don't need to get that much better there. They just need to make little smart plays at times. And if you're capable of doing that, given that their net rating is just minus 0.3, so pretty even so far this year, they're about a neutral team, one or two things really changes and puts you into the positive at times. So making one or two better defensive plays or being just slightly better alongside not turning the ball over, yeah, you'll be able to win a whole lot more games, but you need guys that can do that. And I don't know if I really trust anyone on this team to be able to do that. Zion does his thing, right, offensively. We know what he can do. He doesn't really have much else, but he's so efficient at what he does that it's fine. Defensively, he's out of position a lot. He's a good one-on-one defender, but is he able to anticipate what's going to happen? Not really. Same for Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram just kind of does his thing offensively. If it's not falling, he seems to have an off game. He's not really capable of adapting a whole lot. Those guys need to be able to do it, but they need to get it from the rest of their team, of the other guys who don't really have much adaptability. So as David Griffin looks towards this offseason, it's no real surprise when we break it down like this that they're looking to add more of those type of guys to the roster, especially if at times, and let's talk about this in the next segment, the coaching was suspect at best. 
But before we get to that, today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. And I host rooms every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central, once a week. And yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. And you guys hear me play the clips on the show. So if you want to be on the show, you've got to join me on my Locker Room chats once a week. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league and you'll find fans just like you on locker room for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns and of course reacting to the biggest news or rumors and you have a chance to chat with me every wednesday at 6 p.m and might even be featured here on locked on pelicans so today 6 p.m central go download the free locker room app right now currently available on all ios devices be sure to create a profile link your twitter and join the nba group for the latest league updates you can follow me it's at nolajake to be notified when my room goes live again wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central. Can't wait to hear your take on it. I've got questions for you. I'm sure you all have questions for me. I will see you there over at Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, continuing to talk about the Pelicans' end-of-season media availability, I want to focus on something with Stan Van Gundy. Look, I don't think Stan Van Gundy should be fired, needs to be fired, or is even, even remotely on the hot seat or anything like that. Keep Stan Van Gundy for another year. However, I don't think Stan Van Gundy did a particularly good job. And if I were to grade it, it'd be like a C plus at best, maybe more C, C minus. There were some bright spots. There was some good player development, but rotations were an issue. Adjustments in games were an issue. And just the, the whole Eric Bledsoe thing, like I'm, I'm just never going to be able to let that go. But he definitely struggled this year and he kind of let us understand it a little bit more in his end of season media availability talking about how the COVID schedule and the COVID limitations really hurt what he wanted to try and do with this team and look you know every team dealt with this every team dealt with the COVID stuff every team dealt with the lack of practices and you know what the Pelicans were as healthy as they could possibly be which limits some of the disruptions that that stuff could cause and it still was a disappointing season for new orleans so part of what he's saying is a is a big excuse it's an excuse despite saying that there were no excuses in the end of season media availability the pelicans gave a whole bunch of excuses so Look, some of them are valid. I I don't disagree that this impacted things, particularly for a uh, a team putting in two new starters, a new head coach, a lot of other young guys. The Pelicans were probably set up to be impacted by this more so than every other team, even if all of the other teams dealt with some of this. But at the same point, one of the things that Stan Van Gundy said rubs me the wrong way. And I appreciate the honesty on this, though. He talked about how he didn't coach Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram as hard as he would have liked to or that they should have been coached. This is is weird to me because the Pelicans hired Stan Van Gundy to bring in that accountability side of things more, to bring in a little bit more authority, a little bit more discipline, a little bit more structure. That's kind of the opposite of Alvin Gentry. And going into last offseason, after Alvin Gentry was fired, it, the, the reports were that Zion and David Griffin said this. The, the reports were that Zion and B.I. both wanted to be coached really, really hard to become the best players that they could possibly be. So despite asking for a guy that was going to come in and coach them really hard, Stan Van Gundy, who was hired to do that, to coach them really hard, whatever that might mean, right, doesn't coach them really hard. What? Just 
what, what, what sort of approach is that, right? If there was not supposed to be as much, say, coddling of these guys as before, and that was the plan all along, and they said, coach, don't coddle me, you know, go, go hard on me and push me to be the best, and you don't do that, th- there's so much wrong with that, right? Like, come, come on. There's so much wrong with that and everything that he said with it, that it, it's very frustrating. And this is like a theme of what we saw from the team this year. Just, I, I don't get the process and the approach to things that they took. And certainly the results were kind of uh, shown to be that it didn't all work. These guys say they want to be coached hard. Coach them hard. They're young. They can go out and handle this. They can handle practices. Maybe you can't practice nearly as much as before, but we heard a lot about those media film sessions, right? Were you pushing them hard in that? Were you continuing to do that throughout the year? Did you kind of let that go a little bit? You know, we didn't get an update on that. It would have been maybe good to hear more about that, but it sounds like he didn't really push these guys like he really should have. That's a coach thing, right? Like that's a big, big problem, I think, to hear your coach go, no, like I should have pushed them more. If there's ever a time to do it, it's it's this season when you could, you could argue the, the end result doesn't really matter of things. So it's really frustrating to hear that. And again, what is the approach that this team was taking with almost anything they did this year. And I don't understand it. We haven't really gotten a whole lot of clarity with it. But to hear him say, I didn't coach them as hard as I probably should have. Like, what? This this was your job. Like, this is your job. It's not the, the whole, like, you had one job thing. But it's not not that, I think. So, to hear that is... A frustrating situation and something that, again, I'm not going to say he should be fired. I don't believe that he needs more time with this team, but it heaps more and more pressure on him next year and just makes his job harder. These guys wanted that. You need to give them that, and they certainly needed it to grow as players, particularly Brandon Ingram defensively and a little bit offensively, too. So to hear him say he didn't coach them hard, this is the opposite of what we wanted to see. We didn't need a repeat of what went on under Alvin Gentry. And you've heard it in the press conferences here at the end of the season that these guys don't seem to have like the best relationship with Stan Van Gundy. And this is my read on it, and that seems echoed by a number of other people. You know, Brandon Ingram talked about having an okay relationship with Stan Van Gundy. Not great, not good, an okay relationship with Stan Van Gundy. Is that... It's not encouraging to hear that. Like, you don't need to love your head coach, but you need to be bought in. You need to try hard for him. You need to be improving. And I wonder how much of this poor relationship could have been made by Stan Van Gundy. I don't know. I'm not accusing him necessarily of that because we didn't really get to see inside the locker room and all of that this season. But it does make you wonder and at least opens the door for the questions. So Stan Van Gundy and his end-of-season media availability it just kind of soured me more on the already poor job that I thought he did this season. And it means he's not on the hot seat going into next year. They're going to give him three years, the very minimum, I would imagine. But it makes me wonder a little bit. It makes me wonder more about this hire than I did at the start when it was made when I thought this was a good move. And right now, you know, it is what it is. You can't go back and change it. But I do wonder if this was the right decision for David Griffin to make. 
So before we get into the play and tournament, my thoughts on this, we'll be spending more time this offseason talking about general NBA stuff too. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor like the uh, coconut brownie chunk bar or the churro puff bar, which is delicious. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorite flavor. And if you want to know the flavors, well, it's coconut almond, coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. Again, I love the mint brownie. I love the double chocolate as well. It's kind of creamy. It's almost mousse-like. It's really good. You'd have no idea that this thing is healthy for you. And those limited time flavors are also always just usually awesome. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of the different nine flavors. So not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most of them have 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar and just four grams net carbs. It means if you're going to the gym and you're eating one of these, you're not wasting all of that cardio that you just did and, you know, not really making any improvements. So order today to get that mint brownie flavor or the double chocolate, which are my two favorites. You can do that by going to builtbar.com and using promo code LOCKED15 and you're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action over at betonline.ag and get all the latest news and odds for all of your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as the play in tournament and the playoffs get really underway. So head to the website using your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on over at betonline.ag betonline your online sportsbook experts all right wrapping up today's show and as i said we're going to be talking a little bit more general nba stuff too and i actually co-host if you guys don't know the wednesday edition of the locked on nba podcast our national podcast i'm on there every single wednesday talking about the biggest stories around the league give it a listen subscribe subscribe if you haven't before it's a lot of fun it's fun to just kind of talk general stuff too and take high level overviews of things going on around the league and we're on there today talking about the play-in tournament that started last night and again i love this on idea. It added some crazy stakes to the end of the regular season. LeBron is totally wrong that this is a wonderful, wonderful thing for the league. And watching those games last night, man, it would have been fun to see the Pelicans in there. Just how much higher the stakes felt than any other game I've watched so far this year. It would have been really, really cool just to kind of live at the edge of your seat for the majority of it. And look, the first game, the Pacers smacked the Hornets 144-117. It wasn't even close. Like this was just a straight up thrashing. And it led to just like moments where you have the Indiana Pacers who are down three starters, no Karis LeVert in this one, somehow stepping up and kind of doing their thing. And it was... Really fun to watch that. And then you look at the Hornets and just scream at them over and over and over again. Like, what are you guys doing? Not being prepared. It had kind of the feeling of a March Madness game, a tournament game to a certain degree when the Indiana Pacers just came out hot, 
from three. Doug McDermott draining threes. Guy, maybe the Pelicans need to look at targeting to a certain degree to try and bring into this team, um, along with a number of guys on the Pacers should they decide to blow it up, where like a team just gets hot from three and buries a favorite or something like that, and there's nothing that other team can do, even though Indiana was favored in this game. But then the Hornets look like that team that just doesn't even care, doesn't really want to be there, and they got sent home because of it. I don't know. It was fun. As I'm recording this now, the Celtics are beating the Washington Wizards 90-82, to and you had Ish Smith going off in this game and giving the Wizards a lead for a little bit in this. Like, Ish Smith was potentially going to be a reason why the Celtics were not going to be in the official postseason. Like, how much fun would that have been? The chaos that kind of comes from that. I love it. Like the storylines, if you cover those teams, are, are kind of always there. I love the idea of just like random dudes stepping up and sending a team home. Like Doug McDermott, you could argue, sent the Charlotte Hornets home. It's kind of fun to have those type of storylines in chaos and just things that go on with it. So I love this. Like this is really fun. It made the regular season feel more meaningful and add just a little bit more to it. And I can't wait to watch these games tonight. Look, it's LeBron James versus Steph Curry. Again, we talked yesterday about the LeBron stuff. I roll my eyes at him, whatever. It's still two amazing players trying to lead their teams and avoid potentially being out. And one of them is guaranteed to get into the postseason when you win that. That's kind of fun. I love having stakes like that. I think that's really cool. You also have the old team in the Spurs kind of going up against the young up-and-coming team, maybe the team we wish to a certain degree that the New Orleans Hornets would be, and the Memphis Grizzlies. That's kind of like you have a changing of the guard moment there or, or not, and that's kind of fun. So I love this because it's just the stakes are higher. It means a little bit more. I, I dig it like I really really dig this play in tournament and the games themselves and watching them feels even more I don't know meaningful to me so it's been awesome so I love the play in tournament highly recommend you watch the games tonight just because the atmosphere the feel about them is so totally different and that's where we're going to stop today's show so thank you all very much for listening as always I'm your host Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter and I'll be back with you all tomorrow to talk more Pelicans